0: man god bless the house of the lord come on what an awesome day it is amen looking around and seeing all the family of faith you know it's good to see the people of god you know how awesome that is the bible says it, the bible scriptures teach even if two of us come together two of us that jesus i our promise to be right there in the midst of you right That if we come together, we got a need, we come together and agree upon anything, that whatever we ask, God will give it. Oh, come on, somebody. That's an awesome place to be, amen? Awesome place to be. We begin today a brand new series entitled It's Like That. Y'all know I'm from the 80s, right? Anybody remember the song called It's Like That? And that's the way it is. And raise your hand if you know what that is. Just like all the old people, the rest of y'all. The rest of y'all, y'all don't know where we're coming from, but trust me, it's like that. That's the way it is. And so we're going to be uh, in an awesome series. I pray that you'll let this series minister to you. I pray your hearts are open. How many say today, Pastor, my heart is open? My heart is open. I pray that you let the Spirit of the Lord minister to you, right? If you're closed off and you're preaching, you got your hands like this, your arms crossed, and you got a frown on your face, you don't want none of them about to say, right? You got to open up your heart let god speak to you god's going to say something rich for you god's going to empower you and so we're going to have a good time in this series it's like that it is a study of the kingdom of god jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like unto and we're going to be going through many of those teachings and it's going to empower your faith trust me you're going to take off like a rocket for jesus amen If you open up your hearts and hear the word of the lord so let's do this let's stand to our feet we're going to open up this is the first message that we're preaching on the series. It's like that. It's called Child's Play. Child's Play. You want to be powerful in the kingdom? You first got to become a child. Oh, somebody got to hear that. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you must first become a child. Amen. I know that may not sound like a, a big deal to some of you, but to God it means everything. And We're going to talk about that today. If you if you're, if you got your Bible, we're going to be in St. Matthew 18. I'm going to read a few verses through St. Matthew 18. I'll read verses 1 through 4, just enough for us to get a little bit of a taste of this, this conversation. There's a lot going on in this story, and, and if the Spirit permits me, I'll be able to share a little bit more about the story with you as we continue in this, in this message. But this is St. Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 4, and a message entitled, Child's Play in our series, It's Like That. St. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 says, At the same time, and that's a very key phrase, and we're going to get to that phrase in just a moment. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Who's the greatest? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you except ye be converted and become as a little as little children ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven and whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven Y'all ready to get into this? Come on, we're going to involve ourselves a little bit in some child's play this morning. Y'all ready to pray with me? Come on, let's just let's just set the atmosphere. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to come as the family of faith, as the people of God, to entreat ourselves, Father, to your word. Holy Spirit, we pray that you take this word down and you embed it into the very recesses of our heart. Let, let our minds and hearts be saturated in this thought that if we want to become part of the kingdom of heaven we must first become as little children I pray this just rest on our hearts let it, let it move through all the toughness and all the callousness and all the things that keep us from entertaining the things of God let this thought to become as a little child be preeminent in our mind right now and from henceforward. We pray your strength, your help, as we move forward in this day, and we pray that in Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. Will you do me a favor? Will you go grab somebody and tell them it's like that? Just give them a hug and say it's like that. Greet greet a few of your neighbors. Get, go over and catch somebody, give them a hug, say baby, it's like that. And we'll get started here in just a moment. Blessings, everybody that's watching by stream. Uh, we're glad you're here. We pray that you tune in and. Get into a place of, of quietness there in your home. You might hear the word of the Lord right there. Billy, bless you. Yeah, it's like that. That's the way it is. It's like that. And that's the way it is. take a leap of faith I feel it would be appropriate for me as your pastor to take a simple leap of faith with you this morning I believe that there are people in this auditorium people that are watching by stream that want more from God in so much that they would believe that God would meet them at their time of trouble for what good would it be to have a God who wouldn't help you when you needed him the most? What good would be all of the work that we're putting in, all of the time that we spend in God, all the time that we devote to him, if he won't meet us in our own crucible, in our own crisis? It's my perception that you want more. Touch neighbor and say, I want more, baby. It would be my thought that you would want God to affect your problems. Oh, come on, somebody. It would be my thought that we want a God who's personable enough, who's relational enough to meet us when we need Him. For what good would it be to cry out to God if He can't even hear your voice? I pray today that I can take a leap of faith with you, that you would say, yes, preacher, I want more in my relationship with God. And maybe it's been some season or some time since you've seen God move in your trouble and in your situation, in your circumstance. I've come to declare to you that God moves in trouble and in your trouble in particular. Will will you touch your neighbor and say, God I help you. We have a God who will never leave us nor forsake us so that we may boldly say, the Lord is our helper. So allow me to take this step of faith with you. I believe you want God to meet you somewhere. And I I believe that if we really got to the crux of it all, I would think that it's more than just salvation. I would pray that your goal is not heaven, but rather bringing heaven down to earth. I I would pray that some of you might say, well, preacher, I want to be a vessel, a vehicle of the goodness of God. Anybody want to be a vehicle of the goodness of God? I mean, after you grow up a little bit. And you get past all your personal indifference, you start saying to God, God, here I am, send me. Let, let me be the conduit that you use to minister your goodness. How many today believe that God is good? I believe that God is good. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Look at them and say, take a lick, baby. Take a lick of it, man, because God is good. Our God is good. Isn't that what drew you in? Isn't that what caused you to be excited about your salvation, your faith, that you have a good Father in heaven? Isn't this the excitement in the church that we know that the God that we serve loves us? Isn't this the very essence of our salvation that God brought us, Jesus brought us back into relationship with God, that we might experience the very goodness of God, that we might in turn be be the conduit, the vessel that takes the goodness to the earth? Come on, somebody. Just trying to bring you first circle in your faith. God is good. I mean, he's like that. And that's the way he is. God is extraordinarily good. He is so good that he expects you to keep him first. Let me say that one more time for somebody because maybe you just missed what I said. God is so extraordinarily good to you that his expectation in your life is that you will always keep him first. I mean, he's like that. That's the way he is. I mean, our God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. He wants to be first. Could I suggest to you that, that He is worthy of being first? That He has demonstrated to you when you didn't love Him, He loved you, and this is what we call love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us first. He's extraordinarily good. Ain't that right, Brother Jesse? God is good. Tap your neighbor say, God is good. Touch them back say, all the time, God is good. How amazing that is. Friend, I didn't come to talk to you about religion this morning. I came to talk to you about relationship with God. That we have a wonderful Father in heaven. Spectacular in all his works and all his deeds. Goodness personified in a person called Jesus. If you want to know God will do it, look at what Jesus did. He answers that question. Jesus is excellent in every way, shape, and form he's worthy of being first did you know that the whole premise of your bible is god first if you don't know anything about your bible i've said this many times i can teach you the bible in 10 seconds anybody want to learn the bible in 10 seconds all of the bible i could teach you genesis to revelation in 10 seconds y'all ready for the for the bible your bible study you're going to learn the whole bible right now anybody want to just kind of cue in touch your name and say don't bother me because i got to get this Here it is, the whole Bible, 10 seconds. In fact, I've done it, I think it's a record. I did it in less than three seconds. Somebody timed me one time, Rich, they put the time, I just timed it, boom, and they timed me. I could teach it this fast. You ready? Love the Lord thy God with a heart, soul, strength and mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself. That's the whole Bible. God first, your neighbor second. It's the whole Bible. It's the law in principle. You know what God says? If you do that, I will bless your life. I will bless you with multiplied blessings. I'll bless you when you go in. I'll bless you when you come out. I'll bless your storehouse. I'll bless your family. I'll bless everything about you. If you do that, if you can do that, if you can keep me for, I will bless your life. Touch it and say, God will bless you. Touch him back and say, he's like that, and that's the way he is. I have a God in heaven who's just like you. He likes to motivate you to do right. Anybody ever have some kids, you want to motivate them to do good in school or whatever? And you say, hey, listen, if you make straight A's, I'll give you $100 for every A you make. Y'all didn't get that, 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 that enthusiastic about their education. Man, listen, we, we, we used to tell our kids, we'll do this, we'll do that, because uh, I want you to be excellent in school. Uh, some, some of y'all may not know this. Just I'm going to step out of my message for a minute, as I do sometimes. Do you know that there are no college scholarships for kids who make 95s and below academically? Your kid has to be 96 and above. For every 96 and above that's on a high school transcript, it's worth about $3,500 in, in, in scholarship money. So let me go back to keep preaching. Touch them and say, it's like that. That's the way it is. I have a God in heaven who is constantly motivating me to do the right thing. He says, preacher, if you keep me first, I will bless you. I will keep you. I will help you. Man, listen, listen, listen. Let me say it one more time. If you keep me first, if you obey diligently to the voice of God and you obey the commandments, I will bless your life. I'll take care of you. I'm going to help you. The kingdom will be yours. Ah, here we go. The kingdom will belong to you. I got one, praise the Lord. The problem with only one thank you, praise the Lord, is because most of us don't know what the kingdom's like. I've been studying my Bible long enough to tell you that everything I need is in the kingdom. That all that I've ever desired, everything I would ever want, anything that's precious to me, is in the kingdom of God. It's there. My health is there. My life is there. My future is there. My God is there. My Jesus is there. The Holy Spirit is there. My future is there. Everything that I would want, my livelihood, my thoughts, my heart, my mind is there in the kingdom of God. It's all that I think about. It's all that I want. It's the kingdom of God. The issue that's so, the, 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 the dilemma, the issue in the church is that we realize that we're talking about something, catch this, that's invisible. That's invisible. It's invisible. You see, the kingdom is like that. It's, it's invisible. Most people wouldn't even know that there's a trade to be made. Most people don't even realize that there's a, there's a transfer. There's a, God wants to give you the kingdom. It's his heart to give to you the kingdom of God. But most of us don't even know what it is. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me say it like this. Uh, God has given me, I'm going to say it's a, a, a I'm going to call it a privilege. Uh, I've been able to travel the world. Uh, most of the time when I tell people that I've traveled, I don't start with Grand Prairie. <laughs> Not that Grand Prairie is bad, but it's just right over there, right? Raise your hand if you've been to Grand Prairie. Some of y'all have not been to Grand Prairie. Come on, somebody. When I talk about where I've traveled, I don't start by saying I've been to Mansfield. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There it goes. I don't start with Mansfield. Uh, because guess what? You are in Mansfield. You know what it's like in Mansfield. Now, now, now I've been able to go a little further in Mansfield. I, I've actually been to San Antonio, Texas. Raise your hand you've been to San Antonio. They've, you're not even interested. Keep going, Pastor. I've seen San Antonio. But you been to Corpus Christi? Anybody been to El Paso? It's kinda of a little further away. Al Paso's down the way. But ever been to New Orleans? Alabama? Carolinas? Florida? Brother Billy's been all over. Check this out. Anybody been to Los Angeles? San Francisco, Boston, yeah. New York, Philadelphia. Yeah. I a little hands, okay. Anybody been to South America? Yes. Anybody been to Argentina? No. Oh. I, I, I actually slept that night. Spent a few nights in the Crown Plaza at, at in Buenos Aires, which has the the largest street in the world, twenty four lanes. I opened up my, my hotel window, and there were 24 lanes across with a turnaround in right in the middle of it. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, beautiful city. Anybody ever been to Addis Ababa? This is Ethiopia, capital of Ethiopia. How about Berlin, Germany? Anybody ever been to the Eiffel Tower? I've been there, looked up. Beautiful place. Been to Paris? Anybody been to Paris? Raise your hand you've been to Paris. A couple of people. See, the further I go away, the less people have been there. And maybe your only recollection of Paris will be the one that I give you. Right? It's pretty far away. I've been to Venice. Beautiful place. I've been to to Corleone, Sicily, for all you gangsters. You're a gangster in here. Listen, I've been to Corleone. They even thought I was the mafia when I showed up. (laughs) Had a shirt, big chain. They said, that brother there. And now that guy walked down the streets of Corleone, Sicily. You remember, Elder, you were there. You see, the further I go away, the less you know about it. Jesus is trying to tell you what heaven is like. It's really far away. So far away that it's invisible to you. So Jesus had to stop and tell people, would you want a taste of heaven? Would would, would you like to have a relationship with God such that the benefits of heaven, all the things that you dream about, all the things that you've been talking about, I can't wait to get to heaven and everybody wants to go to heaven, but how about taking a little bit of heaven and bringing it down to earth right here, right now, in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of your problem, right there where you need God to show up. He says, I'll show up. You see, heaven is like that. And Jesus had to teach what the kingdom of heaven is like. And that's why God sent me to you. Because I don't think you perceive the fullness of the totality of the sum of the kingdom of heaven. Because if you knew what it was like, you would have already gotten there. Touch your neighbor and say, it's like that. That's the way it is. I'm convinced that you want God to be your everything I'm convinced that there are people in here that know that life happens fast And when it happens, you're not going to be ready for it There are going to be things in your life that happen to you that without God you're going to be stuck right where you are There's going to be things that come your way, an illness, a situation, a problem, a calamity A situation such that you aren't going to have no answer unless you have God You're going to come to life and you're going to find out that life is going to demand of you an impossibility. And you're going to need to know the one who works through the impossibility to make it possible. I'm convinced that there are people in the world that say, preacher, I want more from God. I want the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. I want God to show up. I want to walk with God. I want to see his help. I want to be a messenger of his help and his goodness. Is there anybody here like that? Amen. Because it's like that life is like that jesus said in this world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer i've overcome this world y'all ready for matthew 18 because you're going to have to make a trade with god god said if you want the kingdom you got to be a little child I don't know if you want that. Maybe you don't want it. Uh, Maybe maybe, uh, you want something other than the kingdom. I want the kingdom of God, and I'll give up whatever I have to give up to get there because I want it. I want the kingdom of God. I want all of it. I want every bit of it. I want all Jesus has to give to me that I might give it to you. Ah. you mind if I share a little story, a little testimony? I'm always looking for places that God will send me. Because I believe I'm a messenger of the goodness of God. I believe that when I show up, the kingdom shows up too. I I believe that the place where I'm standing is holy ground and you should too. Brother, when you have the kingdom of God, sister, when you have the kingdom of God living in you, you know you're the messenger. You're like Isaiah that says, Lord, here I am, send me. I'm always waiting for an opportunity for God to send me somewhere. Just send me somewhere. Uh, a few weeks ago, I ran into somebody who, who, who through uh, an experience with COVID, uh, I didn't even know this, hadn't even gotten out of their bed. The hospital said, look, you're out of money. You've got to get out of here. They stabilized him, sent him home. He hadn't even been walking. I invited him to resurrection services. Pastor, I can't go. I can't even walk. The Spirit said, go pray over him. I'm going to stand him up. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. The Spirit said, go pray for him because I'm going to put him on his feet. So I sent a message, send me your address, I want to come visit you. Went to his bed, he's there. Almost debilitated by by laying on his back. For eight months he's been on his back. He has paralysis in his hands. He said, Pastor, I can't even feel the bottoms of my feet. My feet are numb. I said, well, it's good news. Because the Lord sent me to bring to you the kingdom. I'm a messenger, baby. God's going to get you on your feet. A week later, I send a message. Hey, how you doing, man? He says, listen, I'm still not on my feet, Pastor. Says, Don't worry. God's not a man that he should lie. Keep trusting in faith. God's going to do it. So a few days ago, I got a message. This is what it read. Pastor! Exclamation point. I am standing on my feet. God has done a work in me, and God is true to his word, and God is faithful. I am standing. I'm standing, and I'm going to come visit you soon. I said, when you come, I'm going to let you minister to the people of God. You share your testimony so that they will understand that there is a kingdom, and it isn't you getting to heaven. It's you getting heaven and bringing it down to earth. This is what Jesus taught. He said, but if you want the kingdom, if you want to have the ability, the power to affect your world and the people in it, if you want to be an influence for God, you've got to become a little kid, a little child. Not a preteen, because we know how they act. <laughs> he didn't say no teenager, because they always talk and mess. He says, you've you, you got to be like a, a small child, a little child. they catch your neighbor and say, we're not talking about being childish. We're talking about being a little child. Okay. Can I get to the text? What time is it? Oh, I got time. <laughs> I like that. Y'all ready for the text? Yes. The, the text doesn't start in Matthew 18 verse 1 because remember this is the letter. I thank God for chapters and verses. How many thank God for chapters and verses? Because at least when we give reference, we can go to chapter 10, chapter 11, chapter 12, verse 3, verse 6, and we can all find ourselves in the same place. But this is a letter that Matthew is writing. He's a tax collector. This story, the story of the coin, how many know that this is the story of the coin, is only written by Matthew, who is a tax collector. So so I want to tell you that there's a story right before the entrance. The Bible says, verse 1 says, and at the same time. So there's something happening that's coinciding with this particular teaching of Jesus. Here's what's happening. Some religious people, men that would collect the taxes for the church, came to Peter and asked him a question. Does your master pay the temple tax? Now, now, this temple tax, some of y'all know about the temple tax. Exodus 30, God commanded Moses to levy a temple tax on every uh, uh, Jewish male, 20 years or older, that they would pay two drachmas, a Greek coin, right? Two, two drachmas, which is like two days wages for the care and the upkeep of the temple. And so this man came and asked Jesus, does your Jesus, your master, pay the temple tax? And Peter said, yes, he does. <laughs> somebody say, no, he don't. <laughs> They say, no, you don't. It's like that, baby. That's the way it is. So, so, so he presumed that Jesus paid, but Jesus had never paid that temple tax. Because why do he have to pay a tax on his own house? And, and so, so, so when, when, when he said yes to that, the Bible says when, when Peter came back to his house, Jesus prevented him by saying, hey, hold on a second. Let me talk to you. To whom do kings ask tribute of strangers or of their own children? Peter said well of course of strangers but I don't know no tax Peter you, you know how politicians do they all get elected right and they act like they're really poor when they're speaking to you but in fact they're millionaires and do you know that the laws that they're passing are protecting their own interests but they act like they're there for you Every kingdom, every, every dignitary, every political power always is trying to preserve what's theirs. Oh, yeah. Jesus says, I don't pay no temple tax. This is my house. He says, but you know what, Peter? So that we don't offend them. I need you to do something for me. I need you to go fishing. And the very first fish you catch, draw him in, take out the money out of his mouth, the coin out of his mouth. In fact, it's going to be enough for you and for me. Go pay the tax. Now, the Bible does not say that Peter immediately went out fishing. And in fact, this is the only reference in the Bible where Jesus says, I want you to cast a hook, not a net. Because this is specific language. I want you to go catch a fish that when you catch it, it'll have the money that we need. They catch the name and say, Peter ain't listening to that. That don't even make no sense. You want me to go catch a fish? I mean, you realize who we're talking to? Jesus could have easily said, hey, go over and tell Judas. We need four drachmas. Somebody say hallelujah. He easily could have said, look, 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 look. Here's the money. Go pay it. Jesus could have said, look, go down the street. You're going to find a man at the corner. He's a rich man. Tell him the master has need of money. He'll give you the money. Go pay the tax. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, I want you to go fishing. Because I'm going to teach you how to reel it in. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. I want you. Anybody that's here ever been fishing? Raise your hand. If you've ever been fishing, right? Uh, fishing is such a strange thing to do because y- y- you go through all the trouble of fishing. How many know it's trouble to go fishing now? It didn't used to be a long time ago, but well, it is now because you got to get a license. <laughs> How many ever heard of fishing license, right? If, you, if the warden will introduce you to that, if you don't have one. It's expensive. How many know? How many know we're not using a bamboo rod anymore? Now we got these real fancy things, uh, and we get these complicated lures, and and, and, and it's a lot of money. And you go out, you got to get some sunflower seeds, and you gotta you gotta get your chair, and you gotta get you something to drink, and you go, You gotta find a place where you think fish are, because how many know not every the fish aren't everywhere you think they are. It's a lot of work to go fishing. Now, now I enjoy it, even if I don't catch nothing. But how many know the the, the issue of fishing is you should catch a fish. I mean, that's the goal. Yes, sir. Now, now people catch it and they let it back. No fish. No fish. If I catch a fish, I'm frying it. I don't even eat fish. I just want to see it cook in the pot because, because I caught it. I want you just to go out there. Throw your bait into something that's invisible. Throw, throw it into the sea, and when you throw it in there, you don't know what's going on under there. P- Peter, you, you, you really want to pay the temple tax? Okay, look, I'm going to give you a faith lesson. Bait your hook, cast it out into nothingness, yes, sir. and reel it in. Trust, trust me, the bait on the end of that hook is good, but you've got to cast it. You know I sense in the church, the discouragements. discouragement in the church is you don't have no bait in the water. There's a faithlessness that, that we presume that we would have if we believe God to do something. And then what if God doesn't do it? What if I put my faith there and, 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 and I say, God, you're able and God, you can do it. And God, you're, you're powerful and you can do these things. And then God just doesn't show up. This is a faith lesson. This is a faith lesson, church. This is a faith lesson. What rod you got in the water right now? Let me tell you why your faith is born. You're not fishing yet. You 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 know what makes faith for me you know what makes my faith so exciting? You you know what? Because I've got a lot of hooks in the water right now. Man, I've got so many hooks, I've been so many places, I've been telling people God's gonna do it, and my God has failed. I've got all kinds of hooks. And you know what I love the most? You you, you ever been fishing and and some of y'all you know you you see that little? (laughs) Am I talking? Y'all saying, what does that mean? You ain't never been fishing. Yeah, you ain't never been fishing. I, I, I love going to, I love going to, to, to Colorado. Uh, I like fishing the streams. And, and when you fish the streams, you kind of have to toss your, your, your hook and, and you just kind of let it. But you have to keep your finger right here uh, because the, the trout hit so fast. All you get is a little, a little, a little, little twinge on your finger. You got, you got to pull them, right? So I just love it. I just, and I'm just waiting for it. I got my finger. I'm just waiting. Just waiting. Just waiting and just waiting. Uh, oh, nothing. Whoa. Nothing. But it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. I'm going to do it again. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, See, <laughs> <laughs> that's Josh, he, he catches on the side, not me, I gotta do it again. So he's throwing him, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, kinda moves, and there's like a little rock, and all of a sudden, just kinda, boom, boom, I got, there it is, there it is, there it is, and everybody, oh, everybody stands up, everybody puts around, and they're watching me reel it in, yeah, check it out, oh, look, 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 and I bring him in, bring him in, bring him in. That's the fun of fishing is reeling it in. The excitement of Christian faith is when you've put your faith out into nothingness, out into the abyss, and you don't see what's going on. And all of a sudden, you get that bite, and you know you've longed on to something, and you start to reel it in. You say, well, preacher, how is it that you reel it in? You reel it in by saying, God, I thank you for what you've done. God, look how awesome you are. Look what you're doing, oh God. How marvelous it is. And I have fun reeling in in Christian faith the joy What you reeled in lately uh, what hook did you cast come on. that caused you to have the joy yes, sir. of reeling in that which God desired to reel in? Yes, sir. Come on, put it in you understand there's two realms right I can't survive in that fish's realm because I need air to breathe He can't survive in my my realm because he needs water to breathe. And I'm in two realms. And every day, I'm in two realms. I'm in this natural realm, fishing in a spiritual realm. In a realm where you can't see it and you don't know what's going on, but you trust that the hook and the bait is sufficient to reel in what you're bringing back for God. Back to God. Friend, you've been fishing in faith lately? or you just come to church? Yeah, Yeah, I know how people do. I went to church. When they asked for the offering, I gave $28.60, check off. I said, hallelujah, two times in the message, check, check. I said, hello to some people at church, check, check. Now, God, you better be God. God said, you're not in the kingdom yet. You're not in the kingdom yet. Because you got to become like a little child. Jesus says, unless you humble yourself. What is humility in Christian faith? It certainly isn't your pious look because all of us can look sad. You're doing a good job of that this morning. Because y'all looking sad and I'm preaching to you the truth. Humility is when you completely depend on God for everything. When you can say like, Jesus, I can do nothing unless God help me. See, whenever you're depending on God and waiting on God, Jesus says, the Bible says, he's going to renew your strength. You're going to meddle with wings like eagles. You're going to run and not be tired. You're going you're, you're, you're to run and never be weary. You're going to walk and not faint brothers and sisters, you've got to become like a little child. and you've got to humble yourself to enter in. You see, if Peter had really believed that there was a coin in the fish's mouth, he would have left right away.: Yes sir. You know what their problem was? They were trying to figure out who going to be the greatest.: uh, Yes, sir it's the oh. See, they think they're here and they should be here. They think they got it all figured out, and they really don't. L- let, me, let me give you a little a little taste of culture. Paul, Paul, in his first letter to the church of Corinth, said this the Jews seek after a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Be, be, because there is a way in which a person understood what it meant to be a, a, an adult, a man, a woman. So Those Jews were always requiring some proof, some sign, spiritually, religiously. The Greeks were seeking after philosophy. and That's why we have, you know, Socrates and Plato. They were seeking after wisdom. Look at America. Everybody's trying to be what? Dependent. That's right. That's right. Look at America. What do what we say? Look. What, what is the what is the image of what it really, truly means to be an American? Somebody who had nothing and now has everything. Somebody who's completely in control of themselves. They don't need no help from nobody else. They're dependent. You're teaching your kids how to be dependent. Right. Talk about it. That's the culture. We live in a culture where everybody's trying to be dependent. In- dependent, right? Excuse me. Independent. Y'all look at me like. <laughs> We're in a culture where everybody's trying to teach their children how to be independent. Right. Where they don't need no help. Where they got it all figured out. Where they don't need nobody but themselves. That me, myself, and I is a trinity that we can rely on to get us through whatever we're going through. And we're in that condition. And Jesus is saying, no, if you really want to touch me, you've got to be dependent on me. And nothing else. I'm going to be your one source. I'm going to be your Everything. I'm going to be your answer at midnight. I'm going to be your answer at noonday. I'm going to be your answer. Whatever's coming against you, whatever would come your way, I'm going to be the only answer you have. I'm going to be the one who will rescue you. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of you. I want to do this for you if you'll put me first in your life. I'm amazed at the culture. Amazed at the culture. Let me tell you why I'm amazed. A few weeks ago, I had a birthday, and uh, I got some gift cards, some money, you know, people normally do, and, and, and my, my wife told me, she said, you need some jeans, baby. I said, what you mean, girl? I got lots of jeans. She said, no, you don't got the right jeans. jeans. I said, what you mean I got the right jeans? She said, you need the skinny jeans. The one, the one that, you know, comes stroke you know, like this on your ankle, you know. I said, baby, I don't like those, man, because, you know, when I, when I sit down and get back up, my pants are like this. And I got to be, you know, shuffling my pants down. He goes, no, baby, you need skinny jeans. She says, you know why you need skinny jeans? Because it'll make you look younger. That's what all the people's wearing now. You... You want to look young and in vogue and what's going on? Baby, you're going to need them skinny jeans. Raise your hand if you got skinny jeans. Look all over the house. Skinny jeans all over the house. Skinny jeans. Do the ladies wear skinny jeans or is that just a man thing? I don't know. I don't want y'all looking around right now, but there's some women spend a lot of money on highlights. Don't look around. Just keep looking at me. You know, they put a little, little highlight right here, you know, a little highlight right there. You know, they don't do the whole thing. They just put a little highlight. You know why they put a little highlight? Because it's a sign of youthfulness. Uh. You know, the day I was out there with my little, my little BJ and he's running around, you know, he's got like light brown hair, but when the sun will hit it, there's little highlights in his hair. He's a little kid, small, little child. It's a sign of youthfulness. Come on now. It's amazing how we will reminisce Man, I remember when I was young. <laughs> Anybody ever think back when you were like five and six? You know, the other day we were, we, we were with Maddie, and Maddie doesn't know a lot of the extended families from different, you know, Colorado. So I pulled out my, my family book. My mom gave me full of pictures, and I said, look at that young fella right there in kindergarten. Boom, look at that boy. Can you find me, girl? She goes, that's you right there. So that's me. We were reminiscing about it. I said, man, that was back in the day, I was a kid, man. I had no worries back then. And I have no bills. God and I have no worries. You reminisce about it all the time. Oh, when I was a kid. Didn't have this to worry about. Didn't have that to think about. Didn't have this problem, that situation, this thing. All the things, man. Oh, I wish I was a kid again. And then God comes and says, you want to be my little child? The father comes to you and says, will you for me be a little child again? And know that I'm going to handle every single situation in your life. That whatever you have you can cast it on me and let me carry it and let me just hold your hand as we walk through life together all oh, that the people of God would say I want that yes preacher give me that I want that I want to walk with God that way I want him to hold my hand I want to cast my cares upon the Lord think about how many people come to church today. you're encumbered you're heavy you're stressed you're going through problems situations, and you don't know how to figure it out that your, your money is funny nothing's working out your way you didn't get the promotion things didn't happen the way you thought it happened you didn't marry Oh, never mind. The person you thought you'd marry. Here we are. Say if I can only go back. Yes, sir. And do it all over again. Because you know what people say. If I knew now, what I knew then you presume that your life would be better. And then Jesus says, will you become a little child for me so that I might work in you the power of the kingdom of God? Would you become a little child again? You know the kind of little child that you told him tomorrow we're going to Disney World, and you have no plans on going.